Y'all, welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. I'm excited for me to be here. Brand new podcast. I'm calling it But What Do I Know? Because at the end of anything I've ever said, that's pretty much a caveat that should be added. Now, if you want to hear more about me, anything about personal stuff, you can listen at the end of this. But for now, let's jump into it. I'm going to make this week's, well, weeks, we'll see what happens, but I'm going to make this episode about superheroes. It's a topic I think is becoming more and more popular in mainstream culture, obviously, but it, it's, it has changed from when I was a kid to now. Uh, I loved superheroes back as a kid, as uh, most people I know my age did. It, it's crossed the gender gap. I, I, I don't think it's a, a boy thing anymore, necessarily. I, th- I think it's just a, a human thing. I think at this point, we all love superheroes. I mean, movies, TV shows, cartoons, comic books, I mean, it, it, it it crosses just about every cultural line that has been drawn, and I, I think we're just all into them now. Uh, I friggin' loved them as a kid. Ninja Turtles, obviously, X-Men, you know, dude, even Street Sharks. Uh, if you guys if you guys don't know much about Street Sharks, uh, Vin Diesel talked me into liking Street Sharks, and I'm not kidding. Uh, these were sharks that could walk on land, breathe oxygen somehow, and also expert rollerbladers because uh, it was the 90s. Google Vin Diesel and Street Sharks. I promise you'll thank me. It's delightful. So right off the bat here, uh, I'm going to admit, I can't go deep into the vaults of superhero knowledge. I I can't name you all of the characters in the DC universe. Uh, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and Jim Carrey as the Riddler. But if you showed me the new Avengers Endgame poster, I I probably couldn't name you most everybody on there. I'm sure I would blank on on multiple of them. So there's that. I love superheroes, but what do I know? So, I love our ever-growing obsession with superheroes. Uh, almost as much, if not more, than I, gen- than I love superheroes themselves. Lately, it, it seems like the, the stigma of you know, comic book nerds or you know, even, even like the, you know, the, the stereotypical adult that never grew up and still has toys, and I, I think it's gone. I, at, least, at least it's going away. I, I remember as a child that seemed to be something portrayed often. I mean, you know, The Simpsons clearly has a character. You know, everybody has, has their own take on it. But it seems like that is, it's, it's almost forgotten, or at least we're turning that page. Because everywhere you look nowadays, there's, there's Marvel and DC characters on, I mean, basically everything. Clothing, clothing, I mean, roller coasters are named after them. I mean, there's so many TV shows and movies. I mean, there's food. There's literally superhero mac and cheese. I got them for my kids. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And they know what they're doing. They're targeting the, odd, the, the adults as the audience because they know I'm going to buy it because I like it. And they know my kids like it. So, like, what, you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty much we're all in now. And as a society, we have embraced the concept of superheroes and taken it really to new heights. Uh, it's it's going crazy. I'm not going to lie. And I love it. I, I absolutely adore it. And I want to kind of explore and flesh out, you know, why maybe that is and, and see, see what it is that really drawed us, drawed us, drew us near them, you know, back then and then what, what keeps pushing this forward. So to do that, I went all the way back, all the way back to what I think was the first sort of kind of superhero comic book character. Now, I want to note, I, there are a lot of vague similarities and some even less vague and more similar Similarities? Similar similarities. You're going to tell I'm, I'm an incredibly educated, well-versed human being here, so just roll with me, y'all. It's new. If you want to get technical, 
newspaper comics have been around since like the late 1800s with interesting and, and inflated characters. But long before that, I mean, the Greek and Roman gods all had, you know, powers of some kind or were magic or could fly or, you know, whatever. But I don't, at least for the purposes of, of this, I don't want to consider them superheroes, quote unquote. You know, in 1150 B.C., there was the biblical character of Samson. I mean, he had superhuman strength. He would push entire buildings over with his bare hands and his just, I'm, I'm assuming, beautiful triceps, just, just sculpted from whatever diet they had in 1150 B.C. But his Achilles heel, Samson's Achilles heel, was his haircut. Uh, he was a strong, holy mane with a, with a strong, holy mane. Get it? Get it? Moving on. It's going to happen a lot. Anyways. In the 20s, 1920s, Zorro uh, came around. Batman was in the 1930s in the detective comics, and quickly after Batman came Superman in the action comics. I, I like the idea. I mean, it was actually 1937 when, <clears throat> pardon me, when Batman came out, and then 1938 uh, when Super came out, Superman came out, and that was basically two different, uh, you know, it, rival companies, I guess. They, they kind of... It, started this whole competition, I, I guess, and it has blossomed into what it is today. But in my opinion, where it all started was 1878. In jolly old England, there was a character called Spring-Heeled Jack, which was sort of kind of based on a real guy-ish. Uh, there are real police-documented incidents of people seeing a guy running around London wearing a costume in the late night hours. I mean, that, that actually did happen. Now, the rest, you know, take it for what it's worth. But they say his costume had a, had a black cape. Uh, it had pointy bits that resembled wings, a helmet with pointy ears, and claw-like additions to his hands. In my opinion, this is the British prequel to Batman. This is what I think started everything. The claw-like additions to the hands, actually, I think Batman should have. Those sound pretty cool, but that, that's not the point. Uh, and actually, uh, Springhill Jack was not a good guy. Yeah, he was actually a terrible person, according to the reports, but that's not the point. Because they were written about. They wrote him down, and, and the papers, newspapers kind of took it and ran with it and made him, you know, clearly they just artistic libertyed the heck out of it. So they made him into this kind of a, you know, fiendish villain, but superhero-esque kind of a, you know, maybe not a hero, but you know what I mean. That that was the first, in my opinion, printed, written, New Age, if you want to consider the late 1800s New Age, but certainly newer than 1150 B.C. You know what I mean? All right. So, in 1902 to 1919... Seven or eight-ish characters uh, were created. Uh, there was a there was a dude named John Carter of Mars. Uh, then Tarzan the Ape Man. That, you know everybody knows Tarzan. Then uh, a couple of dudes called the Night Wind and the Gray Seal. Uh, not real staying power. Those two. I don't, I don't think they lasted very long because I couldn't find much else about them. Uh, and then the 1930s. Everything started going wild. Uh, Buck Rogers, Dick Tracy, Lone Ranger, and Don Tonto. Uh, the 30s exploded. In fact, in fact, Dick Tracy was so popular, they made a Dick Tracy movie uh, in like 37, 38, 39, and then again in 1941. So like the first taste of, you know, Hollywood success and, and Americans at least just grabbed hold. I mean, they made four movies in five years about one guy. Like, that's, that's a lot. Like, even, even nowadays, like, that's, that's still a lot. Um, 
I, I think that was what really planted the seed in you know writers and producers and et cetera that maybe there's some there's something to this whole like overblown hero type I, you know what I mean like, I, I think that's where it started at least it feels like it to me but what do I know so what I do know is my personal favorite characters are uh, these this triplet of newspaper comics that all came out basically at the same time. Uh, dude made Mandrake the Magician, then a different dude made the Phantom Magician, and then the first dude who made Mandrake made something called just the Phantom. Uh, Lee Falk wrote Mandrake the Magician, and then less than a year later, this dude named Mel Graff <laughs> came out with the Phantom Magician, which just seemed like pretty boring one-upsmanship. Like, all right, you got a dude named Mandrake, and he does magic. Well, I'll make a magician, but he's also, uh, let's call him a Phantom. Sure, Phantom Magician. And then, and I've never met these two men, obviously, and I'm just thinking here, but I'm thinking I'm right. I think Mel did that, kind of pissed off Lee Falk, and so Lee Falk, less than a year later, goes, all right, so if you're going to do the Phantom Magician, I'm going to do just the Phantom. And now I have Mandrake the Magician and the Phantom, so I got two guys that can do everything that your guys can do. Like, I really, I really think it kind of came out with them. Like, it, you know, it, it, it was pretty much a pissing match. You know what I mean? Like, it, it started this all early. But like I said, with, same with the action comics. The same with Superhero and Batman. Superhero and Batman. Superman and Batman. Same with those. It, I, I think that's what has pushed this forward is just any two people or any two companies or two ideas that are relatively similar but then they got in competition and kind of went back and forth for a while uh you know maybe who knows either way i feel like early on a lot of these characters were pretty simple i mean obviously with the gray seal like that's just seals are gray like that's not <laughs> that's a they, like i can't believe somebody wrote that down and thought that was clever you know what i mean like the night wind like that's just a thing like it, it might as well be the fall trees or, or the summer breeze like you know what i mean like this is <laughs> it's just in, at least to me it just seems so simplistic but there wasn't much else going on you didn't you didn't have any competition you didn't have any reason to not think that was clever there was nothing to compare it to so i mean it, it, in my opinion just just guessing here, but uh, I like to imagine a couple of guys in a drawing room, you know, kind of just hashing out their new characters, and, uh, you know, I, I think it went something a little like this. <clears throat> Thank you for coming in, James. I do appreciate it. Hey, absolutely, Richard. I'm happy to be on board for this new comic book project, but please, just call me Jimmy. Of course, Jimmy, and thank you again. The first character I have is dark and mysterious. He resides in the shadows. He resembles a bat. And, okay, uh, slow down with all the words. Let's just go with the uh, Batman. Um, simple and yet e effective, I suppose. We can, we can pencil that in for now, Jimmy. But uh, this next character, it involves a, a, a radioactive spider who who bites a man and this man gains supernatural powers he, he can cling to walls and he can hey hey enough enough uh uh spider-man you know in interesting rather elementary uh I, I would believe fairly fairly straightforward don't don't you think jimmy hey spider-man you know uh spider-man he uh he uh, does he does whatever a spider can next i don't Think you're truly getting into the minds of my characters here, Jimmy. I need, I need you to really. Fine, I'll do it myself. Watch this. There's this uh, a super uh, man. 
Perfect. What? I... That... That wasn't even a sentence. What you bet? Superman, it's flawless lunch break. No, no. Jimmy, these are all trite. I want my characters to mean something, to make an impact in the world. I dream that my characters can combat society's flaws. In fact, I believe one day we could conquer something as big as racism with the right characters. Fine. Hey, let's go with the... Uh, Let's go with Aba, the first black Superman. I'm going to lunch. You can't just lunch. Now, I'm sure it went nothing like that, obviously. But 100% serious here, y'all. Abar, the first black Superman, is a real movie. Uh, it was made in 1977. You can watch it on YouTube for five bucks, which I did not do. But you can watch the three-minute trailer, which in my opinion, you get the idea pretty quick. Great film. Shame it did not catch a permanent hold in American pop culture. As I've said, first superhero, clearly not Abar, the first black Superman, was 1878 Springheel Jack. Uh, 1920, Mark Zorro was filmed as a you know, movie. Then The Son of Zorro was filmed five years later. Uh, then Batman, Dick Tracy, Superman, all that. We finally get a female superhero in 1940. Uh, Fantoma, the mystery woman of the jungle. Now, she didn't stick around, but... One year later, from Fantoma, we came out with Wonder Woman, which, again, Superman, Wonder Woman, these are very simple ideas. But they had nothing to compare to, so can't really blame them. I don't know that I would have done any better. 1955 comes around. In my opinion, it's a special year, because it debuts The Martian Manhunter, uh, whom I've never heard of until I started trying to research this nonsense. But I have to mention, because apparently he was a founding member of the Justice League in 1960. So literally, he was one of the initial Justice League team. Along with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, and Aquaman. All of whom have gone on to have incredible careers. Poor Martian Manhunter does not, however. Either way... I admit I don't know a lot about the Justice League. Uh, I remember watching the cartoons as a kid, but, you know, I didn't really pay attention, I guess, more than just kind of watching cartoons. And I certainly haven't done any research up until right now, but I am finding it's it's probably the most equal opportunity employer in the superhero realm, I, I guess. Uh, it, it hired a lot of women, actually. There's a Star Girl, Power Girl, and Wonder Woman. Uh, you know, at, at least all of these are, are blurring the gender lines, which I appreciate. Uh, Stargirl, again, who I've never heard of. You might catch a theme here, y'all. A lot of the stuff, never heard before. Uh, Stargirl is, she's basically like the DC version of Iron Man. And I probably should have Googled when Iron Man came out, but I'm guessing Stargirl was first. Regardless, uh, you know, fact check me, y'all. What do I know? Her character, Stargirl, is the stepdaughter of a guy who makes a bunch of technologically advanced equipment. Uh, and it, this guy, it, it, you know, he makes his stepdaughter a cosmic belt that gives her super speed and super strength. And he made her a cosmic staff, which, you know, she can use to fly. So, I mean, basically, it, it's kind of like Iron Man-ish, sort of, in that she doesn't have any actual superhero powers, but all of this machinery and things, and you know, makes her special. Uh, Power Girl is apparently Superman's cousin, um, it, you know, which, which I got to admit, like it wasn't necessarily writing a woman into the script just for a pro woman hire. It was more like Superman hooking up his family with a job, which I respect. <laughs> Good on you. Um, then of course there came Black Canary, which 
I again never heard of, but Black Canary to me sounds like a you know a, a strong Birdman similar kind of guy. And, and honestly, I figured he was black and he could fly around with like supervision and like super speed for flight. Uh, however, Black Canary is a blonde white girl with literally no powers. She uh, she's kind of good at fighting. She uh, she went to some karate classes as a kid. Uh, I assume at the mall when she was like twelve. I don't see how that makes her a superhero, but she was in the Justice League. Good honor. Now, more and more superheroes have been written. I'm not going to bore you with more dates and details, but I mean, at this point, there are so many superheroes. Much like the original Detective Comics versus Action Comics, and I also just put that together. I wonder if that's what DC stands for. Is that what the DC Universe is, Detective Comics? That'd be interesting. Anyways, more stuff I should have looked up. What do I know, y'all? So yeah, much like that duo kind of pushed the envelope early on and in competition and all that, nowadays, uh, we basically have the two powerhouses running the show, DC and Marvel. And looking back through you know history, it's a tale of copycats. One side does something that's kind of new, and then the other side basically copies it, and then the other side makes something new, and then the first side goes back and forth and back and forth. You get the idea. Uh, as of 2019, today... Marvel Comics has over 7,000 superheroes and villains in their repertoire. DC Comics has over 10,000, which is insane. Uh, now, I will admit my scope is clearly limited to Western culture, more specifically American culture, but I googled my darndest here and found some interesting characters worldwide uh, that certainly I didn't know about. Uh, Dinesh Deol, a.k.a. Grid, is one of a, a lot of characters uh, from India, in the Marvel Universe. And as I said, DC was quick to copy, so they went and featured just Hindu gods as characters in, in their comics. Uh, they, they just you know took many of the already standalone Hindu gods and just wrote them into their own comic books, because why not? So, Stan Lee and Marvel created Chakra the Invincible as a standalone character in his own movie that was aired in India. That's how powerful the concept of superheroes are. Stan Lee... A dude born in the 20s in New York made a movie that was released in India as a standalone, not available in the United States, never showed up to the United States. Like, that is crazy to me. That, that shows, at least at least to me, and look, what do I know? It shows the power of, of superheroes and, and power of the ideas. of these. Of, it crosses all cultural lines. I mean, it, it doesn't... It doesn't matter where you are from, clearly. It, if you're into superheroes, you're into superheroes. And it's, it's, a, it's a binding trait that I think we all have, at least most of us that like it. I think we're all in it together. Um, some of you probably know Jubilee uh, from Marvel, from X-Men. Uh, I actually really liked her as a kid. I thought she was cool. Now she doesn't really have the best, you know, superpowers. But, uh, but she is Asian, which I did not realize as a kid. Um, Probably the most recognizable Asian character, at least in my opinion. Uh, except, of course, Fu Manchu and Shang-Chi, who have no superpowers and are just Asian dudes with martial arts. Uh, early on, relatively racist characters. Not going to judge them for that. Back in the day, come on, everybody was racist in the 20s. What are you going to do? Um, then there is Ryan Choi, a character from Hong Kong, who became the Atom, which is basically Ant-Man, but in the DC universe, you know, it, it's like I said, it, it, Marvel did Ant-Man, so DC did the Atom. It, it's a copycat game. It, it's what's been pushing this since forever. Uh, in 2015, Marvel made a Korean Hulk. And so in 2016, DC made a Chinese Superman, and then a Black Flash, and then a Mexican Spider-Man. 
and then made both a female Green Lantern and a gay Green Lantern. That's the main point I'm trying to drive home with all of this. I don't know why I even have a point. There's no need to have a point, but I have a point nonetheless. And that's that this crosses every line I can think of. We got a gay one, we got a woman, we got a Mexican, we got a white guy, Chinese guy, black guy. It literally, we can throw anything into this and nothing, nothing is out of place. I mean, we're already in a, in a world, we're already in a realm where people can fly and people can go invisible. And you know, like at that point, who gives, who gives a fuck if they're gay? You know what I mean? Like at, at that point, what are we talking about? We, we're, we're already in this incredibly open-ended make-believe world. So let it be, man. Also, fun fact, uh, speaking of black characters, Wesley Snipes' character, Blade, the vampire hunter, is actually in the Marvel Universe. He actually does, you know, technically exist uh, and has been in some comics and such and shown up as cameo roles. I didn't know that. Found it interesting. How about that? So, why do we all love superheroes? It's kind of what I've been getting at this entire time. It, it, it's, I think we're just fascinated by larger-than-life characters. I mean, clearly, ancient Greek gods and demons and, you know, even lesser things. You know, I mean, even just even past that, even more recent, but just lesser, like the Loch Ness Monster in Bigfoot. Like, people talked about the Loch Ness Monster for years, talking generations would pass down these stupid-ass stories until, you know, the camera phone was invented. But, you know, until we did, we loved these stories. We, we really did. I think that was what kind of kept us all together. It's a you know, politics and religion are going to separate so many people so quickly. But with this, at least with regards to, you know, just the fictional, the obviously fictional portion of this, I think that's what makes it a unifying factor. There's no need to argue about facts. There's no need to argue about the details. I mean, it's fun to do, but you know what I mean? No one's going to actually throw fists, I don't think, over whether or not Superman should be allowed to fly or, if, you know what I mean? Like it's, It just gives this giant open-ended realm that into it almost everything can be put. There's no reason to pick and choose and remove things because it's just kind of that open, you know? Uh, at least I think so. And I mean, it, shit, even back in King Arthur's times, we love stories of dragons. You know what I mean? I, I, I think we love anything that can easily destroy us. I, I really do. I, I think the old cliche, glutton for punishment, I, it, it goes a step further. I think we end up becoming, we, we become almost desperate. It might not be the best word, but we, we want yeah, but desperate. We desperately want something bigger than us to exist. We just want it. You, you can twist that into the reasoning for religions and, and the origins of, of belief systems if you want, but that's for another time and probably not for me. Maybe. We'll see. But I'd go so far, I think, as to reference it's why we enjoy zoos and aquariums. Rhinos and, and sharks. I mean, those are real-life monsters, or at least as close to them as we can find. You know, I, I, I literally watched a, a hippo yawn at the zoo one time, and it genuinely scared me. I mean, obviously he's behind a fence and all that, but you know, whatever. But their teeth, like Google them, their teeth are just giant spikes. They have just massive spikes coming out of their fucking faces. Like, that's insane. Like, it, take that, if that, if we had, if you had never seen a hippopotamus, you know what I mean? Never. Or, or an elephant. Imagine that. A gigantic creature with tusks. I mean, there's just spears growing out of their faces. If you had never heard of them, ever, and then suddenly just showed up. Like, I know back in the day, like, there were certain wars that were fought with elephants, and they would conquer tribes that had never seen elephants before. I can't imagine what had to go through your head if, as you're showing up with a, you know, your piddly-ass little sword, and you see an elephant that has not a sword attached to it, a sword growing out of it. 
Like that is, uh, that would be the most sci-fi craziness. And then of course you crush to death and that's your last thought is, wait, what the, is that an alien? And I'm done. Like, as far as I'm concerned, they are literal monsters. Like they really are. I mean, it's why Godzilla is still going as a franchise. Like there's a new Godzilla movie like every two years. Like I can't imagine there's anything new on that front. It's still a big thing. So it runs around, but we all still love it. It's just because we do. We love it so much. At least nowadays. We love superheroes so much that we praise the human actors and actresses as if they were these actual godlike figures themselves. We idealize the notion of them so highly that we purposefully blur the lines of reality. I, I really do. I think we collectively suspend disbelief. If Brie Larson, she plays Captain Marvel, if she walks into a restaurant right now, they'd probably give her one of the best seats in the place and probably not even charge her because her publicity alone is worth it. These actors and actresses, we hold them with such high esteem that their very presence counts as currency. Now, look, that's been true of any and all famous people throughout history. But I believe superheroes are our next step past that. You know, the, the, the Queen of England or, or royalty back through the ages at least were actual royalty. Now, sure, the Queen of England today isn't sitting on the throne making decisions that affect the country. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think her finger is on the pulse of the economy. I think she's more just a figurehead, and it's just kind of nice. But she still literally runs a country, kind of. But, like, if I went and tried to attack her, I would be destroyed so quickly. It would, they would rip me limb from limb. She has the backing of an actual army. She literally does. But the, the way we treat these, these actors and, and actresses, I'm just going to say actors. You get what I mean. I, I mean no disrespect. This has nothing to do with gender. But we, we treat these human beings who pretend to be superheroes, we treat them like the queen. We treat them as if they have an army or have superpowers to back up anything, when in reality they're just professional pretenders. So, I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily require this real, tangible, physical presence anymore, or at least physical capabilities anymore we're creating fictional characters and assigning them real life people to represent them just so we can kind of swap out royalty i think you know what i mean it's incredibly popular to hate on political officials i don't care what liberal democrat right left republican doesn't i don't that's you do you have fun with that but every day on every media platform and sometimes just people yelling in the streets they demonize these politicians they, they rip them limb from limb figurative they they hate i mean i was literally i was in dc just recently and the amount of stickers and nonsense and propaganda hating on every side of it and every person and, and it, it's it, it's almost numbing after a while i mean i was only there for a few days but it's just like you got numb to it because it's just so it's it's ridiculous how often and on every channel and every radio station it, it's just craziness how often do you hear people criticizing superheroes you know what i mean like pretty much never actually but yet we still worship them you know like we, we, if christian bale walked in i mean he addressed as batman like people would flip their shit but they don't demonize them the way they like if obama walked into a place people go bananas i would be stoked to, to be like hey you, you would you know if george bush george w bush i mean i don't know if george bush is still walking around but if george w bush walked in i'd be stoked to have a beer with him i genuinely would Obama too. Like, I would be stoked to meet them. But they were actual powerful people. They actually did stuff. I would be just as stoked. <laughs> if it, it, it's, it's, 
it's insane. But it, it, it's like the cast of the Avengers showed up. I would be just as excited. Like, holy hell, what, like, what up, guys? Like, let's go have a beer, too. Like, it, it's, but they are just pretenders. And I think we're doing this on purpose, even if it's subconscious. Like, it's not like I've ever thought about this before. But even if we don't realize we're doing it on purpose, I still think we're doing it on purpose. I think we're doing it to kind of push past this idea of reality and stuff like that mattering so much. The general consensus is superheroes are awesome because, you know, at least in these pretend worlds, they actually save the day. The, the difference there between politicians is that they don't, you know, when's the last time a politician literally saved the day? Like nobody, no politician ever like swooped in and grabbed a car and picked it up off a kid. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen. So I think we want these, you know, these fictional characters to do that so we can, we can kind of appease our mind. We, we can, we, we have this, collectively created universe where the good guys win right prevails over wrong and evil is clearly labeled as evil now yeah there's you know you can get into the punisher and maybe even deadpool to a, to an certain extent but that evil is clear and good is even more clear and justice is served it's it's a shared dreamscape that we all enjoy as a tool that we can use to relate to one another superhero culture has become so impactful on society it, it's truly hard to quantify it so to help quantify it, let's put some dollars on it. In April of 2019, there were a handful of comic books on eBay going for over a million dollars each. Uh, an old issue six of uh, Teen Titans uh, was uh, 1.2 million. The Flash comic number one, the Ashcan edition, I don't even know what that means. It was going for 1.1 million dollars. And a Spider-Man first edition signed by Stan Lee was going for a million dollars flat, which to me seems to be the most valuable of the three. But in April, was Stan dead already? I think he was. Anyways, I, I feel like that would be the most. But anyway, a million dollars for 48 pages of paper. That's, that's, that's insane to me. Now, all of them also said or best offer below. So, I mean, who knows what it actually ended up going for. But that's what they were asking. They were And, and no one was freaking out. The Stan Lee one had like 900-something people that were all watching. Like, people cared. At least some people do. Enough to throw, you know, millions at these things. Now, the most expensive comic book ever sold was August 2014. The Action Comics issue number one was sold for $3.2 million. Y'all, $3.2 million for ink and paper. That is amazing. Originally, it was sold for like 10 cents on newspaper stands. Actually, it was literally sold for 10 cents in newspaper stands. I actually Googled that. Look at me. What do I know? 76 years later, you could have bought it for 10 cents, passed it to your grandkids. 76 years later, it goes for $3 million. I don't know how to adjust for inflation. I actually Googled it, tried to figure out how to do it. But like 30 seconds in, I realized that there's not like a like a translator little app in Google. Like if I'm trying to do Celsius to Fahrenheit, you know what I mean? Like you can't just type in, you know, that and then hit enter and have it turn up to this. Like you can't do it. So I quit real fast. But let's just say 10 cents in 1938 is certainly less qualifying buying power than $3 million today. Like that is just insane. I can't even, it's, it's hard to process that that, but that's in my opinion, the best way to measure how much we really enjoy these things. $3 million, man. Good God. Dick Tracy. Character, you know, humble newspaper comic. Less than a third of the page on, like, you know, back pages on a newspaper in 1931. In 1990, 
they made a Dick Tracy movie with a budget of $47 million. They used to sell, they used to sell these things for $0.10 cents in a newspaper. And then 60 years later, they put $47 million into a movie. It was huge. It starred Al Pacino and Madonna. Like, at the time, that is insane casting. Like, Dick, the, the movie itself, it grossed $162 million in 1990. 1990. That is insane. Like, I realize I've said the word insane a lot, but it is. I can't get over it. Now, the top three highest budget superhero movies, however, completely destroyed. $47 million for a budget in the 90s was big. But it's nothing nowadays. Like this, this even shows you just from 1990 to now how much we've grown. Man of Steel, 2013, $225 million just spent to produce it. The Dark Knight Rises had actually come out a year before, $230 million. And in 2007, again, predating both of these, Spider-Man 3, $258 million spent on filming people dressed as spiders flying around for our collective entertainment. And who boy were we entertained. $258 million took to make Spider-Man 3. Human being worldwide spent $890 million on tickets. $890 million. But that doesn't even crack the top 10 of highest grossing. Interestingly, at least to me, the top three highest grossing are all the recent Avengers movies. Uh, which is which is is crazy because it's I mean I guess it's not crazy it kind of makes sense because it's not just one character it's it's the it's the big collective you know grabs all angles if you like one or two of them you're probably going to see it because why wouldn't you so the Avengers first one 1.5 billion dollars it sold uh, 1.5 billion it earned a it earned one and a half billion dollars a movie Avengers Age of Ultron 1.4 billion and Avengers Infinity War grabbed $2 billion. And it was just released yesterday, or announced, or reported, or however you want to say that, that uh, Avengers Endgame, the, the newest one, uh, is now at $2.8 billion, which makes it the highest grossing film of all time. And I'm no longer categorizing it in just superhero. I mean, any movie ever, ever, it's the best one. The highest grossing, at least. Uh, best can be argued by plenty of people that I'm not qualified for. But point is, there are 7.7 billion people on the planet. I googled it. So 2.8 billion means that literally everybody, on average, gave that movie 36 cents. Every single person alive. Now, I don't think that's how math works. Uh, I, I honestly don't even understand it, uh, to be fair. But I think it that shows... How prominently we have chosen to display this creative outlet, this this collective consciousness that we've all kind of put into a into a bag, into into, a, into on a screen or whatever. It, it's a beautiful thing. It allows expression without any limitations. I mean, there's talking trees and blue aliens. Like it, it's true freedom. It's a realm beyond limits. It's a place with no boundaries, and and I think that's why we love them so much. But hell, what do I know? Y'all, uh, thank you. If, if you've made it this far, uh, one, I'm surprised. And two, I am incredibly grateful that you would throw 30 minutes at whatever the hell you want to call what I just did there. Um, but I, I, I truly appreciate that if you gave this any minutes of your time. That's uh, that's awesome, man, because I, I really enjoyed doing it. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, I'm just a, I'm just a you know mid thirties father. Uh, I got two kids and stuff, so I mean I don't have a ton of time to do this, but I'm realizing this is this is a really fun outlet, even just for me to talk about other people's outlets that they've made a ton of money on that I don't know that I'll ever make a dime. But that ain't the point. If you guys enjoyed this at all, uh, thank you. I don't have a Twitter. I should probably get one. Uh, maybe by the time if I ever make a second episode of this, maybe I'll get a Twitter account and uh, you know we can interact on uh, the Twitterverse and things. Uh, otherwise, y'all, you're the best. Thanks for hanging out.